King Kong. Your curiosity quest starts here. Hey, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Q Code Podcast. And uh, we want to also thank everybody who joined us last week for our scary stories to tell on a podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to that one yet, I suggest, I highly suggest going back and listening to it. We've got three awesome stories. Well, we have two okay stories and one really awesome story. <laughs> one Same, one yours, story. Yours is super awesome. All I'm saying is one story that pretty much followed all the rules that we set forth and then two others that were kind of like, and then one other that was pretty close and then another one that just, just broke all the rules. <laughs> so are you saying yours broke all the rules? Yours, then... <laughs> yours, Daniel, yours broke the rules. Doesn't matter though. It was still a decent, it's still a good story. I mean, we had fun uh, reading. Well, I don't think we had fun writing those, but we had fun reading them and, uh, and the reaction that we got. So thank you everybody for, uh, for your participation and uh, listening to those. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to do something like that again in the near future. But today... What are we learning today, Trav? We've got some good stuff. And by the way, you might hear uh, or notice the absence of one other voice. And, uh, well, that is Alan. He is our fallen brother <laughs> for the uh, designated... I, I week think of the month. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's that time of the month again. <laughs> <laughs> Where Alan is uh, feeling a little under the weather. So um, typically we have another Barnes family member step in, but... None of them could make it today. today. So you reached out to Tracy. I reached out to Steve. And then I, Tracy even had reached out to her friend Megan, who wants to be on the podcast sometime. But she couldn't make it tonight because she was going to a haunted house, apparently. Okay. So I don't know what's more fun, a haunted house or... Sitting here. Sitting here. <laughs> not knowing what to house. do as Danny and I talk about dinosaurs today yeah <laughs> so that is our topic we're uh the the question for today is what really happened to the dinosaurs there's a lot of theories out there and a lot of things that changed over the years theories that you probably i don't i mean i have no idea but it'd be curious to see like what the theories were back like a hundred years ago or 200 years ago uh, so basically danny and i jumped in a time machine went back just to take a look at what actually happened. And now we have the real, uh, you know, outcome of, of what happened millions of years yeah. ago. So we witnessed it from our little hole in the ground. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about that uh, for the main segment. We also have a quick question of the day. But before we get to that quick question. So we have a before. We have a before. before and I only want to talk about this just because it was such... It was just a weird thing that happened to me and uh, at work, uh, was it Wednesday? So yesterday. Okay. Well, we are recording on a Thursday, so yesterday. Yes. <laughs> um, Typically, Wednesday does come before Thursday. Thursday. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I mean, obviously, this is not the only thing that we do. We have other jobs. Uh, if you've listened to any of the dreams that Danny has, you know that he works at a bank. <laughs> and 
<laughs> but uh, and every once in a while, I mention what I do. But I uh, work for a construction company in their human resource department. Now, part of that, you know, we we go around uh, to different job fairs and different events, just meeting people, seeing uh, you know who wants to join the ranks in the uh, in the construction industry. But so we went to an equal opportunity job fair, um, which was a free job fair held at the downtown city library. Um, if you know anything about the downtown city library, you know that there's a bunch of skeptical people walking and, and just kind of hovering around there. By skeptical, what do you mean? Skeptical I mean, meaning just because they don't have homes doesn't mean they're skeptical. Some shady peeps, man. There's just <laughs> some shady peeps. And I'm not, I'm not stereotyping. I might be stereotyping, but <laughs> so no, I think they like, I mean, there are some nice benches um, in that area, and then across the street from that, there's that big. What do you? What is that building? That like it looks kind of like a cathedral, but oh, for, be- for people who aren't from Salt Lake City, we have. I think it's the city building. Oh yeah, it's but, the, it's the city hall. Yeah, but it looks like a cathedral more than like a city hall should look in my head. Yeah. But but so we this this was a four hour long job fair and uh we did not talk to a lot of great prospects we had a couple um but everybody started cleaning up and and uh so we followed suit everybody was gone at this time like we were the last ones uh cleaning up our our table and and everything and this guy while wanders in and he's like oh you guys are done said yeah but if you want to come talk to us come talk to us we can answer any questions we can tell you what we're all about and uh, he just kind of starts telling us that, you know, he's just been having a real hard time finding a job. And, uh, you know, we said, well, because he said that he had a little bit of a background. And, uh, I mean, he had a, a little bit of a troubled past. And, and uh, people aren't, you know, once they see what he had done, you know, pretty much, you know, de- denying him employment. So are we saying that he has some kind of like... Uh, record on the books kind of a uh, background like I mean when people say that I'm thinking okay it's got to be some type of a felony or something like that but like how how bad is it like what is it is it just like domestic dispute that kind of got out of hand is it uh, you know theft is it a drug related charge or what have you so you know we're telling him like I mean in our business where we consider ourselves to be background friendly so, um, you know, we're not going to bring in just anybody, but we understand that people make mistakes and we're going to give them a shot if they can, you know, prove to us that they can actually, you know, turn their life around and, and focus on, on having a job and showing up and doing everything that they need, that they need to. But so this, the, the, why I bring this up is because as we're sitting there talking to him and, you know, none of us, neither of us asked what he did. Mm-hmm. That's always a question, but you know, you don't just come out and say, well, what'd you do? Maybe we could, but, uh, we didn't in that, in that point. And he says, yeah, you know, I'm not just asking for like some big high paying job. I'm literally asking for whatever the lowest they have and they still don't give it to me. Uh, and then he said, Wait, who's they in his, in just the they employers, just anyone, anyone. Okay. And he said, I mean, I, I just have a homicide <laughs> on my record. Jeez. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
So now I'm like, I better give him a job. I'm, I'm really, I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, we're literally the only people in this room. I do not want to piss this guy off. I don't know what he did. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, it was like a little while ago. It was like six months ago. It was like six months. You I mean, literally you ended it? somebody's life six months ago. And you're out here and he claims he was on parole. And I want to think, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, are you saying parole or are you just saying you are skipping bail or, or whatever it is? A fugitive. You're a fugitive of the law. <laughs> so yeah, if he just killed somebody six months ago, why would he not be in prison? I thinking the same thing. I don't know. I didn't inquire anymore, but I told him, <laughs> I kind of told him straight up. He's like, well, you know, um, I mean, I can see from an employer's side, it's a little bit of a liability. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I told him without, uh, you know, telling him no, I was like, well, uh, you can go to our website and drop in an application. I was sure to make sure I, uh, you know, took his name down so that if we see that application, we definitely do not contact. (laughs) But, uh, Anyway. So maybe he just lives in that world that we uh, talked about a few few weeks back. Um, that I believe is the video game world, and I had the question of like, so how would you treat murders if you have like multiple lives? If you killed somebody on their first life, would it be as bad as killing him on their? Obviously, third he life? doesn't think so. So that's he's what like, I'm saying. Yeah. Is like for him, he's like, it was like their first life. All I did was kill someone. Jeez. Should I not get a job? <laughs> Should I not be awarded employment? He might have a good point, though, if he came to you and he's like, all I did was kill somebody. And honestly, if you give me a job, that gives me something to do. Because if you don't, I'm just going to be out murdering again. <laughs> now you're in a it's quandary. It's up to you. If you don't give me a job, it's their lives on your hands. <laughs> now so. it's on you. <laughs> but anyway, so I just wanted to throw that. It's just so crazy that like the thoughts that are going through people's head. Like, yeah, no, duh. This is why you're not employed because you murder people. Yeah. But, well, like you said, like, and I I mean, he's not convicted or whatever. Obviously, he's walking around. (laughs) So I don't know what the deal is. I probably should have, maybe I could have inquired a little bit more just to make this. But if he wasn't like convicted, then you would think that he wouldn't say anything to you. Yeah. I have no clue. No clue what was going on. I really want a job. Just FYI, I killed somebody. No one knows about it. (laughs) But I did. We did have uh, just a little quick short story. We did have another guy who came in and interviewed, and then we did the background check. Found that he was that he did time recently for armed robbery <laughs> for a bank. What? And uh, I think he applied it. That hits close too. to home for you. But anyway, when they when they confronted him about it, this was before I actually uh, worked for the company. And they asked him about it. He goes, "Yeah, that was just kind of a dumb thing." He goes, I I wasn't actually in there. It was my mom, and I was the getaway car. (laughs) So, like, he was just driving his mom around. So he was just guilty by proxy. Because his mom was the one who robbed the bank, (laughs) and he was just driving to get her away. But uh, they both got caught, and now he's out, and they asked him, like, well, how much money did you get? And he goes, well, obviously not a lot, because I'm here asking for a job. (laughs) So... Just the interesting things that you run into uh, in this type of business, but probably right. not the best parenting. Yeah. But all right, let's get to our quick question of the day, which is if you could, what one thing would you erase from existence? 
All right. So, Trav, you know me, and I, first of all, want to applaud myself for not calling you to clarify this question. (laughs) Okay, thank you. So, I just took it upon myself to take the question and interpret it how I see fit. So, the first thing I came up with, and I know what you're going to say is like, you already screwed up. Because it says, what one thing would you get rid of? But the first thing I thought of was pedophiles. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then I was like, because they suck. <laughs> I don't want them. I would be happy if they were gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really see a purpose that they fill um, that's necessary. Other than, I guess, the yang to your ying. <laughs> But yeah, they're not like, they're not like God's creatures in the sense that it's like, you know, you're like, can't we just get rid of spiders? And I was like, well, spiders have a part in God's plan too. Yeah. They're part of the food chain. If we didn't have pedophiles, who would kidnap all the kids? (laughs) (laughs) But I exonated that off my list because it was people instead of a thing. So I didn't know if you were, if. I was supposed to take it as in like, what were you going to get rid of? Get rid of one, what one thing would you get rid of from existence? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, again, didn't, I didn't have, <laughs> I mean, there were, there was no real big rules. It's just read, <laughs> read the question and answer it. <laughs> so I don't really care how you answer it. If you want to get rid of pedophiles, let's get rid of pedophiles. Okay. So number one, pedophiles. <laughs> Um, do you have more than one thing? So here, let me, before you continue, I'll tell you, uh, my, my mind, or I guess the, the train of thought that I had. So, you know, originally I think when we were talking about this, we're like, okay, if you could get rid of one thing in existence, what would it be? And I was like, mosquitoes, hate mosquitoes. And we had a brief conversation on that thinking somewhere in my biology, somewhere along the line, I remember learning mosquitoes actually are, not necessary yeah. for the food They chain. just spread disease. So I'm okay if getting rid of those, but that's not my answer. Um, in fact, um, so if uh, you are familiar um, with, with Utah, and uh, we have a, a radio station, X96, and their morning show is called Radio from Hell. And they have a running segment called list, The List of Things That Must Go. And, uh, so I think in the future we should, we should probably do something like this because a lot of my stuff was kind of ending up situated. Like I wouldn't necessarily, like if I'm picking one thing, it wouldn't be any of these things, but I would be happy if they were gone. Yeah. So So I'm not going to, basically you're saying you have a long list. I have a long list. It's just like of things that bug me. And I'm like, yeah, I'd be happy. Just for example, people that go to school and drag those (laughs) those backpacks with wheels. Like I, <laughs> I, I was going to say, but I guess you do spend quite a bit of time at school, huh? Like at schools, well, like yeah. you of your job. <laughs> yeah. Cause at first I was like, when are you at school? No, these, no, this is seriously from like forever ago. It drives me crazy. Like when I was going to college and I'd see kids, they, they looked like they were going to the airport. I'm like, how many books do you have in there? I rem- I do kind of remember like that. Enough- some people when we went to like the University of Phoenix, yeah, and you'd walk into class and yeah, they were wheeling in wheeling their like 
but I think you have like their laptop and stuff in it too. Yeah. But, yeah. Nah. So it's, it's things like that, that I think in a future segment we should do something like that, but I'm going to be real. Um, so the one thing I came up with and it's not hard to come up with, I think this would be a very generic answer. Yeah. But, uh, I would love to see it gone. And I think everybody else on earth would, and that would just <laughs> literally be cancer. Like, I've never been personally affected by cancer. Knock on wood. I don't think we have any wood in this room. So I can't, there's a wall. <laughs> knock there's on probably she- wood inside Knock on sheetrock. But um, I've never been personally affected by it. Um, my, my mom had, you know, like she had thyroid cancer and she had a tumor in her knee when I was younger. Of course, back then I didn't know like severity of it and things like that. Obviously she's, she's still around. She's been cancer free pretty much for 25 years. So, you know, I, she's, she's good. Um, but there are so many people and specifically kids like my, when my son was like three months old, he contracted RSV, um, which if you don't know what that is, it's just a, like a, uh, a virus, a respiratory virus yeah. in your, well, yeah, in his but lungs. But it's scary for little, like, babies. Well, yeah, because yeah. it can turn real bad. Yeah. And uh, and so, luckily, we caught it in time that it didn't escalate, but he did have to spend a couple of days in the hospital. And so, we were in there with him, and uh, we're at up at uh, Primary Children's Hospital at the University of Utah, and it just sucks, I mean, you go in there. I don't know. Have you ever been in there, like yeah. with your kids or anything like that? Not with my kids, but I've been there before. Yeah. So you go through there and you see all these kids that are just so sick, and majority of them have, you know, illnesses like, well, like some type of cancer. And you're sitting there thinking, like, no kid should have to go through that. Yeah. And they, ever. but like the, and it's the cliche thing, but it's surprising how many of those kids handle it like champs, though. Oh yeah. Like they just still choose to see like life and the bright side of things. You yeah. Know? Well, I think in a sense too, it's just because like majority, especially like younger kids, like they don't actually grasp the concept of death, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's easier to live and easier to live with the ailments, with the cancer and deal with the procedures that they have to go through. But still no kid should ever have to go through that. And if I could pick one thing, like there's a lot of sicknesses out there, but I think if you eliminated cancer, it would just, I mean, yeah, maybe some pharmaceutical companies would go under, but you know, screw them. So well, they obviously haven't been that effective so far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you got rid of cancer, wouldn't that get rid of like one twelfth of the population? What? Because isn't cancer like one of the astrological signs? Oh, shut up. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Is it though? Like, cause you have, yes. you have Libra. Yes. <laughs> Are you a cancer? No, I'm a Gemini. Oh. Who's a cancer? Let us know. <laughs> I would not be getting rid of anybody who was born in the time of the cancer cancer. Okay. I'm talking about tumors, <laughs> growths. So you're talking about when your genes stop growing the way yeah. they should and they have a mind of their own, which is basically what cancer is. Yes. Uh, yes. Like a mutation of your genes. Yeah. Right. So I'm fine. If we get rid of cancer, how about everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that's a good one, Trav. Because I sat there for a long time, and after pedophiles, I was like, I don't know what I get rid of. 
So I sat I mean, there. Think about it. And, but if we got rid of all like, pedophiles and, and all cancer, the children would be safe. I, I mean, there'd be other things, but like that gets rid of like get rid the of two a lot of dangers. Things. Yeah, two of the biggest things that they have to worry about. Um, so my list is definitely not as in depth and and noble as yours. But one thing I was like, do you know what bugs me? And I actually had a post on my personal social media about this a couple months ago. I don't know if you remember it, but if I could get rid of one thing, it would be freaking when they have bulk pricing. <laughs> that costs a lot more than the smaller quantity pricing on a per item basis. Okay. <laughs> like at Meaning, Costco. <laughs> Meaning like my example from a couple months ago, but I see it all the time when you go to the store or whatever is, but when I went to Carl's jr, like two months ago and my kids really wanted chicken stars because not that they taste any better than a normal chicken nugget, but they just like that they're in the shape of a star. Mm-hmm. And so I go up there and they're like, dad, we're so hungry. Cause normally I would just get them like a four piece chicken star. And they're like, we want more than that. And I'm like, okay, let me ask them how much, you know, what quantities they have. And I said, uh, what quantities do you guys sell chicken stars in? And the kid comes over and is like, it's like uh, four piece, six piece and nine piece. I'm like, okay. Um, how much are the different ones? He's like, four pieces, a dollar. I do remember this. I think six, we talked about it on another we? episode. It's like six pieces, three forty nine, and a nine piece is four forty nine. And I'm like, what? Because if you dollar cost average that out for the four pieces, twenty five cents per chicken nugget. For the six piece, it's fifty eight cents per chicken nugget, and for the nine piece, it's fifty cents per chicken nugget. So you're paying twice as much or more. If you buy the other one. So what did I do? I bought four, four pieces. Yeah. Might as well. But it bugs me because now I had to buy extra packaging (laughs) and have four orders. So we're getting rid of pedophiles, cancer, and extra charges for bulk items. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And then another thing I was like, this bugs me is have you ever tried to open like a candy package? Cause I have to open lots of candy packages now that I have kids and sure. it's like, it could be like <laughs> gummies or gummy worms or whatever, you know, like those candy packages like that you get mm-hmm. at the gas station. Yep. Yeah. So I hate the ones that are freaking sealed with like industrial glue or whatever it is. And they're just like, they don't, tear open like very easily but you have to now i get stuck in this situation where i'm trying to open the the candy but it's taking quite a bit of force but i can't have so much force that i like just rip the bag open and everything spills out right exactly so now i look like a sad old man because i'm trying so hard to like put the right amount of force like enough force but not too much force that I shake ever so slightly. <laughs> and my wife is always like, what's wrong with you? And cause I'm like, she's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I hate bags of candy that have freaking industrial, industrial glue, glue on them. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Yep. Pedophiles, cancer, bulk, uh, bulk pricing, pricing. That's out of whack. And industrial, and industrial glue, glue on, on candy wrappers or yeah. packages. 
so, and my my other two that I had, and these all only take like five seconds on. One is just like professional sports that do not like coaches that do not make optimal decisions because the point of the, of sports is to win the game. And anyone who makes suboptimal decisions that causes them to have a lesser chance to win the game, that's to me is just maddening. And then finally is I have OCD with some stuff. No. I don't know if you remember this, Trap, but <laughs> I don't think that they should have volume levels that are anything but even numbers and multiples of five. <laughs> Does, is there, what, what is there that is not even that you've seen? Like 31. Where? Volume level 31. On what? On any device. Like if you go in your car, there's a volume level one, two, three. So why four. can't it be one or why couldn't it be an odd? Because I, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> volume should always be on an even number and or a multiple of five. So the volume control should be two, four, five, six, eight, ten. <laughs> <laughs> so confusing. 12, 14, 15, 16, 18, 20, and so on. Yeah, that will never happen. And <laughs> I disagree. I don't think that we need to get rid of <laughs> regular volumes. <laughs> I drive my life nuts because every time she'll, uh, she'll like turn up the volume on the TV and she'll like turn it up to 13 and stuff. And so I either have to turn it down to 12 or up to 14. <laughs> like, cause <laughs> or else I'll like develop a tick. I can't watch it. <laughs> You're like convulsing over there. She's like, what is wrong with you? Like, I can't. Volume's on 13. It needs to be lower or higher. So if the volume was on 13 while I was like watching some ridiculous coach make a poor decision on my football game and my kid is asking me to open their candy at the same time, and I had just come from Carl's Jr., <laughs> I, I will freaking punch a pedophile in the face. Seems very specific. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go, guys. <laughs> um, we're going to post about this, uh, obviously, and uh, so let us know um, what you would get rid of. Uh, if there's one thing in the world that you would erase from existence, so. But uh, let's move on to our uh, the meat of the of the uh, discussion here of what really happened to the dinosaurs. The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't, ask Noah. You're a madman. There are more than a dozen extinction-level events before even the dinosaurs got theirs. When the earth starts to settle, God throws a stone at it. And believe me, he's winding up. We have to evolve. There's no room for the weak. Yes, Trav, there's no room for the weak. So I think it would be interesting sometime to learn about what all those other extinction events were. What do you think? Yeah. Are you worried about extinction? No. Really? No. Why not? I don't know. I feel like there's other things to worry about. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) There is. I mean, it's. I'm trying to remember what the name. There's a name for it. It's anything that basically could end the existence of humans. Mm -hmm. Um, Existential thing. I believe it's like existential 
crisis or or something like that. Anyway, but there's a lot of people out there that that's what they focus on is just what could happen that would just wipe us out. And I think it's fine to think about, but I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's it's a probability thing too. something that like nobody should worry about. You know, I mean, there's things like global warming, you know, that's something that we should at least pay attention to and try and figure out how to, you know, treat our earth better. Yeah. And I think that is one of them actually that I think that does fall into that category, but I'm not one of those in the sense that I'm just sitting there. I mean, that's not my job. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm just not going to worry about it. I have other things to worry about. Like I, I've, I've got to worry about my kid getting her homework done and turned in on time and, and, uh, you know, making sure that my kids go to bed on time and things like that. So like, yeah, like somebody came to you though and they offered you a job and said, I'll pay you to just think about this stuff. Yeah, sure. I'll think about it. They don't know how much I'm thinking about it because they cannot read my mind. So, but they have a new mind reading device. You <laughs> okay? <laughs> what about the dinosaurs? <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes I get sidetracked uh, on these other topics. But anyway, yeah. So to sum up, Trav and I wanted to just speak to you guys briefly today, kind of like a PSA. Uh, about what really happened to the dinosaurs, because I think everyone should know that. I think we've all been lied to long enough uh, from our teachers growing up. Yeah. Not that our teachers meant to lie to us, though. So as we kind of get into this, um, there's a a discussion that we wanted to have, and and I don't know if you want to have it now. It almost kind of seems like this would be a perfect spot for it, but... Are you talking about, like, the evolution stuff? No, I'm really talking about just kind of, like, what we learned in school. Yeah. Um, Because we can have a moment to talk about the evolution stuff a little later. Yeah. So, you know, in school, I'm sure in elementary, now I can't remember exactly when we learned about the dinosaurs. I know we had to have learned about something, you know, some of it in probably in elementary school. It's like, okay, well, there's dinosaurs and, you know, it's kind of cool. The Tyrannosaurus Rex, the raptors and Stegosaurus, all those things. Triceratops. But. (laughs) <laughs> where do they get off being like, yeah, this is what happened. Like how they, <laughs> how do they know? Well, I mean, there's like always been theories and, and like I said, it would be interesting to see what happened a hundred years ago or 200 years ago or something like that. But now the more I think about it, I don't even know how long ago you was when they first found like the first dinosaur fossils. So I don't think it was honestly, it could, it was probably like 150 years ago or something like that. Um, so yeah, from that moment, I don't know how quickly it was before they had theories. Like, cause first they're like, Whoa, we found this giant creature. And then, cause I mean, there's been evolution over even my lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we were kids, um, one of the big traits of dinosaurs was they had tails that dragged on the ground. So I think if you watch, if you watch older movies, like meaning literally like back in the eighties and older of anything with dinosaurs, like the dinosaurs tails would just drag around on the ground. Yeah. I think like, uh, in some of the older, um, I'm trying to think, like land King, before time, well, did they drag on the ground in that one? 
I don't think that one, but like I have in my head, like maybe some of like the older kind of like monster flicks, maybe like a King Kong or something where where it's like claymation, claymation guys. And they're like tails are dragging on the ground, but yeah, but that's what they thought. And it wasn't until like in the eighties that they kind of figured out like, Oh, maybe they actually don't drag on the ground. And now that we have a better idea of how their skeletal structure worked and everything, we pretty sure that they actually like were suspended in the air, you mm-hmm. know, and not dragging on the ground. Um, other things are at some point when I was a kid, my favorite dinosaur growing up with was brontosaurus. And then all of a sudden I was told when I was like 12, that brontosaurus isn't real. <laughs> they made a mistake. And so really it's a patasaurus. And then when <laughs> which, I was like, which, how did they make a mistake? It's like, you named it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we made a mistake. <laughs> what do you mean? What, what's the mistake? Well, I think they put together like the wrong bones. Like they put two bones of like two different animals together. And then they thought it was from one. But then like <laughs> still a few, can't call it a brontosaurus. Like, a few years yeah, later. We put two, two extra ribs in there from another one can't be a brontosaurus (laughs) (laughs) but like and then a few years later all of a sudden they come back and they're like just kidding it wasn't a mistake brontosaurus is a thing (laughs) so stop messing with our minds (laughs) scientists (laughs) so in my lifetime i've been told hey brontosaurus hey he doesn't exist oh hey he does exist so yeah i think it's just very subjective like no matter how you look at it and to be honest, even though we're like sitting here t- trying to tell you guys, like we are telling you the facts. These are just the facts as far as mankind knows today. Mm-hmm. Who knows if tomorrow they're going to be like, "Well, never mind. Sorry, we totally messed up again." Mm-hmm. This is what happened, you know. Yeah. So you know, we're in school, and uh, and they're teaching us about dinosaurs. Now, there's a lot of different theories out there. So, what are some of those theories? So when I grew up, the two predominant theories that I can remember was one, there was like a massive earthquake that caused all of the volcanoes on earth to erupt roughly at the same time. And then with all of that, with all those volcanoes erupting that pushed so much ash into the air that it covered the earth in like a cloud of ash. And then mm-hmm. that prevented the sun from being able to shine through. And then the plants couldn't ha- uh, perform photosynthesis and then, and so on and so forth. The other one was the whole idea of an earth or of an asteroid. And, uh, but it was kind of the same thing as like, okay, an asteroid hit and then it pushed a ton of like dirt, dirt and, and dust into the air and covering that the sun. Yeah. And that might've actually caused some volcanoes to erupt too. And then long story short, yeah, again, it covered the earth and then the sun couldn't get through. And then all of this, both of them led to basically the same entail, which was once that happened, the plants died and then the herbivores could no longer eat and then they died and then the carnivores couldn't eat them. So then they died off. And then like over the course of hundreds of years, they slowly died out as a, as like, it's more than a species. I don't know what you would call it though. Like, yeah. Animal kingdom, a, ge- a genus, maybe yeah, dinosaur <laughs> genus, genus. So, 
you know, there's a, like we said, obviously there's various theories out there and I think there's scientific evidence that can kind of support a lot of these things. Um, but, uh, what we have recently watched and you guys can watch it too, uh, is a documentary on, uh, on what really happened to the dinosaurs and it's called, uh, the, it's called the day the dinosaurs died. Right. Yep. And it's a documentary made by Nova. Um, but it's on Netflix. Yes, um, you can you can Netflix. find it there, and it's very interesting. Now, this is not like if you guys uh, were or, or listened to a few episodes back where we talked about Bigfoot. We also watched a Netflix documentary, and uh, that one we kind of were very critical of. <laughs> And it was not our intention, but seriously, go watch it and you will have the hardest time not being super critical. (laughs) Um, Part of you will want to believe. But uh, anyway, this isn't like that. Um, It's not like I went into this this uh, documentary being like, okay, I'm going to poke some holes in this. I'm going to poke some holes in this theory Um, or even going in saying like, okay. I don't believe dinosaurs ever existed, so <laughs> prove it. I mean, you're going to have to prove that they lived first before you can tell me how they died. So it wasn't anything like that, um, and it was also only 40, 45 minutes long, so it was a lot easier to watch than an hour and a half of some dude running around the forest looking at holes in the ground and sticks. Well, I mean, he would throw in some action shots. Oh, yeah. From time to time, you know, <laughs> keep, to keep da, da, spiced up. da 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 jump the stream (laughs) but so yeah it this was a very interesting um very interesting documentary now (laughs) i make the joke that it's about 15 minutes about dinosaurs the other 30 minutes is pretty much spent on talking about rocks but it's very important and and why so i'll let you kind of take so they do the reason they have to spend all the time on the rocks is because that's the evidence that they have um, that's how they're, the geologists are able to decipher, okay, because this is the story that the rocks and the fossils are telling us, that's why they're making the assumptions that they are. But I wanted to quickly tell you guys like a little bit of a story to kind of set this whole scene up. So here we go. All right, everyone. Imagine you're out with your family enjoying a nice summer picnic at the park. After a nice filling meal consisting of PBJs and baked lays, you lie down on the blanket to allow your lunch to begin digesting. While doing so, you enjoy the calming sight of a handful of fluffy white clouds slowly floating overhead. Suddenly, you notice something a bit strange in the sky. It appears to be a single star twinkling in the night. However, it's not even close to nighttime. In fact, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. You watch as this small point of light slowly grows bigger and brighter, then finally streaks across the sky like the most spectacular shooting star you've ever seen. A few moments later, You're still sitting there thinking about how lucky you were to witness such an amazing sight. Then, without warning, you see a massive ball of light emanating into the far-off distance. At this point, you're getting a little concerned about what that was you just saw, and just thank your lucky stars that you weren't over there. After a few more minutes of nothing much happening, you begin to pack up your picnic 
items and get ready to go home for the day. As you finish putting the last of the picnic stuff in the back of your car and close the trunk, you happen to catch a glimpse of another shooting star just over the top of your vehicle. Once again excited, you call the rest of your family over to tell them about what you just saw. As they run over, you see another shooting star, then another, and another. Lucky us, you think. What did we do to deserve such a remarkable show? Now, you're no longer seeing just a few shooting stars streaking across the sky at one time, but instead start seeing hundreds, then thousands. Next thing you know, you feel a bead of sweat drip down your neck and onto your shoulder. It's at about that time you realize that the day had got a lot hotter than you expected it. Unfortunately, this is when things begin to get bleak. Unlike a frog in boiling water, you quickly recognize that it's not just warmer than you expected, but rather it's becoming uncomfortably hot. So hot that it starts to hurt. You jump into your car in hopes that you can crank up the AC in hopes that it will help you cool down. But it doesn't take long for you to look down at your arms and legs and see that the skin is starting to turn red. You start to see small blisters forming on your skin and can smell the stench of burning flesh. Still, it continues to get hotter and hotter as the body starts to go into shock and you begin to lose consciousness. Some of the last things you see and hear are the sounds of the car tires popping, then deflating, the car windows cracking and shattering, several trees and shrubs in the area burst into flames. However, even after you're gone... This intense heat does not cease. Instead, it continues to get hotter and hotter. The pop tires on your car are now nothing more than a puddle of molten rubber. The blood in your body boils before you eventually are eventually incinerated. The whole world and everything you know in it is now on fire. Anyone lucky enough to somehow still be witnessing this gruesome scene surely figures that hell's wrath hath taken over the earth. I don't know if I should just let this music play out. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> I try to time it. <laughs> I'm a man. I, I was, as I'm watching the time on that, I was like, okay, yeah, he had to have practiced this a few times. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say I practiced it a few times. I did do one read through oh, okay. in my head. Okay. And apparently I'm slower reading in real life than I am in my head. <laughs> Which worked out because I had a few extra seconds before left over. But so anyway, the reason I wrote that little story was to give you guys an idea of what it was like to be a dinosaur on that fateful day, the last day that they were alive. So does that that paint a picture for you, Trav? So what uh, a lot of the other theories discuss is that the extinction of the dinosaurs was actually a slow process that spanned over hundreds of I mean, years, years yeah. or, or potentially hundreds of years yeah. or even longer. Yeah. But what this theory is suggesting that, uh, uh, you know, um, with the scientific evidence that they use um, from the, um, from digging down to the, I don't want to say, I want to say earth's core. They did not go into the earth's core. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, uh, they just dug down, um, they excavate various sites yeah. and break down, you know, 
you can see it like on the sides of cliffs and stuff like that. You can see. Yeah, it's basically when you're looking at a rock formation or, or let's say you're looking at a tree, you cut a tree down, you see the rings. That's kind of like giving you the history of that tree, right? How old, mm-hmm. the, how long the tree has been there. You can do the same thing with rock formations. You can even like tell like when were the like wet, uh, wet years. Cause they're, you know, yep. with a tree and which ones were like the, the dry or the drought years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, exactly. With so, rocks, they also tell a story. Yeah, so that's basically what they did. And with these, as they dug further and further down in a specific area, they were able to pretty much tell the story of this this meteor that hit the Earth millions of years ago that eventually ended up wiping out the dinosaurs. But like I said, in in the many theories, it was a long, drawn-out process. But this is talking about how this was basically one day. Yeah. One day, this happened and they were all gone. And and some researchers and scientists even will tell you that it was f- not just one. I mean, it all happened within one day. Um, but from the moment that the asteroid, and we can get into that in just a minute, uh, entered the Earth's atmosphere until basically when they figure all the dinosaurs had died was less than two hours. Crazy. So, yeah. It's like a super fast global event that occurred. And so back to the whole asteroid idea, because that is something that I grew up with was probably the predominant theory and, and has been my entire life. And, and if it's been in mine, I'm sure it has been in yours too, Trav. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about the asteroid a little bit. So basically this asteroid that hit the earth, um, the problem is they never really... The hard thing was trying to decipher how much damage an asteroid would cause, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. And finding like evidence to kind of prove the theories and models because in the documentary it talks about this. They say, well, we have all these models um, that we can go and try and model it and try and project what it would be like. But we actually, without the evidence and being able to see you know, things in the rocks that can tell us the story, it's hard for us to like confirm our models Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so um the asteroid that hit the earth apparently uh, roughly 66 million years ago when it wiped out the dinosaurs was called baptistina that was the name of the asteroid um it was over seven miles across and if you took it as just kind of like a total size type of, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. If you were to say it was the size of something, mm-hmm. they said that it's basically about the same size as Mount Everest. So it'd be like Mount Everest just came and falling, falling out, out of, from, <laughs> from space. space yeah. yeah. And on and into the earth's atmosphere. Freaking crazy. I mean, that's, and how long it, cause it also said how fast it was falling too. Do you yeah. remember that? So there's been a couple of different things that I, I heard and saw, but I believe when it was in space, it was traveling around 40, 45,000 miles miles per hour. hour. Um, I'm once it hit the earth's atmosphere, I'm sure it started to slow down. And those estimates are around 20,000 miles per hour, but still something traveling that fast, um, through the earth's, um, you know, that's uh, bullets go. What? A thousand, maybe. Sure, like a I am. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, um, when 
so they can do this by doing experiments where they actually shot a bullet into water. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they did like one of those super high speed cameras so they could slow it way down and see what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. So they know that water and the atmosphere, one's liquid and one's gas, but they react very, very similarly um, to an event like that. So what's hap- what happened when the asteroid hit the Earth's atmosphere is that it forces all the air molecules in front of it like out of the way. Like it pushes them forward. Mm-hmm. So it creates like a funnel-type wake behind it, and inside of this funnel is nothing because it's literally pushed everything out of the way and it hasn't had time to kind of like regroup group or whatever and, and have it there. So if you happen to wa- be watching this thing and be standing in the right place um, at the time to where you would have a vantage point where you could see this funnel, then there would be nothing there. And so you actually in the middle of the day could see right through to space. And so there would be like a circle of nighttime sky. Hmm. is what it would look like in the middle of the day. So you would have day and night like simultaneously. Interesting. So it's kind of like a weird phenomenon, but that's what they came up with. But you know, I'm okay not ever witnessing it. So. Well, yeah. (laughs) The thing I saw that on, I think um, that one might have been a radio lab um, podcast episode. And I think they cracked the joke of, well, if you were standing at the right place to see it, then it well, would you were be shortly the be the wrong place. <laughs> That's what I was to be. say. <laughs> right place, yes, for just about a second. And then you would quickly be the wrong place. Yeah, because before you could blink, you would already be dead. But yeah, so that was interesting. Another kind of interesting thing is, do you, did you know that they actually could pinpoint what month time frame it was that this actually happened did they talk about that not in the documentary okay then no so they figure that this happened somewhere between june and july and they were able to decipher that because of fossils that they found in the rock that would have been there at that time they found uh pollen from the lotus and from the water lily and apparently the lotus will be like going out of flowering season around between June and July and the water lily will be starting flowering season between June and July. So since they found both, yeah, they knew that it was somewhere between June or July. Unless like, but that's the other thing is like, I don't know what if seasons were different back then. It's like, hi, my name's Danny the dinosaur. And let me tell you about my worst summer ever. (laughs) The summer I died. (laughs) And so did everybody, so did everyone else. else that I knew. <laughs> That's true. That would be a crappy story. Who's the? No, it's Arlen. I was trying to think of the dinosaur and the good dinosaur. When you say, "I hate that movie so much," <laughs> it is the dumbest, worst movie ever. When you maybe said, not the worst movie ever, but I really hated it. When you said Danny the dinosaur, I was thinking at first, like, "Oh yeah, isn't that the name of the dinosaur in that?" But it's. It's not. It's not even close. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted it to be, apparently. (laughs) So, from watching the documentary, do you remember uh, where the they found that they or where they think? I guess it's not even so much they think now, but they know where the asteroid hit. New Mexico. Close. Take off the new Mexico. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So yeah, Mexico, like the Yucatan area. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I, I mean, going down to Mexico, I remember them telling me, yeah, like I kind of knew about it, but I didn't specifically know it was like this asteroid. Um, but there's like all kinds of like underground caves and stuff like that in the area. I believe that are somewhat been created because of the the asteroid they hit or something like that. Um, but yeah, like the asteroid hits and it displaces 40,000 cubic miles of dirt, like instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like 40,000, but like, if you start to think about it, like, Oh, 40,000 cubic miles. Like that is so much dirt. Like if you think about it from an area standpoint, if you dug a mile deep for and made a box that was 40,000 square miles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, so this asteroid comes in, like Trav said, at twenty miles, twenty thousand miles per hour, hits Mexico, and then displaces all that dirt. It barrels its way about twenty miles into the Earth's surface, and then creates a crater that's like a hundred and twenty-four miles across. Is like the size of the the initial like area damage that mm-hmm. was done. Um, and then this is the part in the whole documentary that they talk about the peak ring. And then I'm just curious, like what you thought about that. I'm going to be honest. I did not get what the peak ring was. <laughs> they kept saying it. And I think it was because I got distracted by either my child or my dog or something at the moment when they were talking about it. And then they kept talking about the peak ring. I was like, I kept thinking peach ring, like the gummy <laughs> and <laughs> Which but, are delicious. Yeah, but luckily the peach rings usually don't have industrial glue. No. And but yeah, so I did not really follow the peak ring. So, so I will let you talk about it. And I'm gonna give you I was hoping that you had more too because I also was distracted slightly during the peak ring stuff. But I will give you my synopsis on how I understood it. Did you just wink at me? <laughs> if I did, I didn't mean to. It's more of like a I'm like trying to think (laughs) (laughs) like what of all the times to wink at someone is now is not the time. I'm just going to talk to you, Trav, about this peak ring. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink. So anyway, yeah, but a peak ring is basically, so when the asteroid hits the earth's surface, it displaces all of that dirt, right? Mm -hmm. And things have to go somewhere. So it basically pushes up a whole bunch of dirt and rock too and basically creates like a a circular mountain range yeah so is that because when they showed it you see you see the circular mountain range there was actually a a, uh, an inner one and then an outer one yeah so the inner one part of like the way that the waves like because sound waves you know it's the same with like earthquakes you kind of have those waves that go through. So I believe, yeah, something to do with that is why it creates kind of almost like that double ring Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But yeah, it created mountains that for a brief moment uh, were taller than Mount Everest is what they said. And then ultimately though, like much of the peak ring area, there's like 2000 feet of rock and sediment that was all just displaced and forced there in one day. Yeah. Whereas typically it takes like, 10,000 years to create like three feet of sediment and rock, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just like all this just happened in one day. 
The other thing is apparently, and I thought, I don't know, I thought this was interesting, is like, did you catch where the next, the closest peak ring was to that one? No. On the moon. Oh, yes, I did catch that one. So that's the only peak ring that they know of on Earth. And then the only, the other one, the next closest one they know of is on the moon. So apparently it just takes a large impact. And maybe luckily for us, we apparently haven't had another large impact like that since then. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, again, there are people out there that are super worried about <laughs> just literally <laughs> looking at, when's the next peak ring. So yeah, the crater ultimately that was caused, they named, and maybe you could help me with this cause I think it's a Spanish name. It was like chicks crater. Uh, yes. C H I C X U L U B. Where do you even have it in your notes? <laughs> it's like in the middle. It's in yellow. It's highlighted. You have so many things in yellow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's in Chicksalu- Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, that's the name of the crater that was apparently created. So, what they were able to do is this again. It's it seems kind of weird. We're trying. I'm trying to explain why they know what they know at the same time. And so, like Trav said, there's a whole bunch of just talking about the rocks and stuff. But without just sitting here and just telling you about the rocks on an audio platform. <laughs> yeah, very difficult to do. <laughs> like, I'll just try to explain it as more in like a experiment, like a visual experiment that you could kind of just picture in your head. But they had a scene where they shot a glass bead out of a giant cannon. Do you remember, like, I cannot remember how big they said the cannon was, but it seemed like it was, like, a couple of stories long or something like that. It was, like, a massive cannon. Yeah. But it shot this teeny little bead into a pile of sand. Mm -hmm. And then they, again, with super slow-mo cameras, which Trav loves super slow-mo stuff. I love super slow-mo stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you could measure the impact that this little bead would have. So then Mm -hmm. they can scale that up to see how much like in their estimation would this Mount Everest sized asteroid, how much damage would it cause when it hit the earth? Right. Mm -hmm. And so they figure that this asteroid would have caused or had the energy of 100 million megatons. Gosh, dang, that's a lot of megatons when it hit. So initially, Immediately, like right when within seconds of it hitting, anything within 600 miles of where the asteroid hit would have been just incinerated. Mm-hmm. And then for like a thousand miles in every direction, you would have felt gale force winds from this thing. That's like how much energy was just dispersed from released. the yep. yeah, and dispersed from it. But to give you context, because it sounds, I mean, yes, when I hear 100 million megatons, that sounds like a lot to me, but I don't really know. Do you know what that means? No clue. (laughs) Neither did I. So I thought I would uh, figure it out and let you guys know. So if you had two, so one megaton is equal to 100 million or 1 million tons of TNT. Mm -hmm. So that's like the, the ratio. So 100 or 1 million, sorry, 1 million tons of TNT is one megaton. If you just had two tons, so two out of that one, million that's enough to blow up a 10-story building Mm -hmm. and then if you the bombs that they dropped on hiroshima the atomic bombs 
those were 15,000 megatons or not megatons. 15,000 tons, equivalent yeah. to 15,000 tons of TNT. I'm like totally botching this. And then the hydrogen bomb, which is the most powerful nuke there is, that they, they've never used it on people. Mm-hmm. But that's the most powerful nuclear weapon that we have on Earth today. And that could punch uh, an energy pack. That's not how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I am... That could... Well, how would you say it? Trey? Pack a punch. Yeah, pack a punch. <laughs> it sounds like what the hell are you trying to say? I was like, that could punch a punch pack a pe- of energy. <laughs> <laughs> that could pack a punch of uh, one megaton. So you know, a million tons of TNT. So basically, it would take one hundred million, the equivalent of one hundred million hydrogen bombs all being detonated at the same time to equal the same amount of energy that was caused by this asteroid. Comment and let us know if you followed that. So. (laughs) I will admit that was not my finest hour. (laughs) Took him about an hour to say it. Uh, and usually numbers like are easy for me. So I don't know why I struggled so much with that, but long story short, just imagine a hundred million hydrogen bombs all being detonated at once. That is how much energy that asteroid had. Yeah. So even with that being said, you know, when the theory that, um, you know, just one asteroid hitting, was not even as large as it was it was not enough that would just because of the impact would kill everything on earth right i mean like you said it was basically anything within a 600 mile radius was obliterated yeah and then anything within a thousand miles of it could feel the 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 gale force winds coming from it but that wouldn't mean that they'd be dead or anything like that yeah they'd just be like why does it get so windy so so you have your your 600 mile radius of everything that's gone. But then what happens after that? I mean, we've already kind of talked about it, but so you have all of this ash and um I just want this was a fire and brimstone. <laughs> basically what it was. So it's funny that you actually bring it up because you're exactly right. Like the fact that you're saying like this is not enough to just you know, just that event alone wasn't like what took out the dinosaurs, Mm -hmm. right? So they actually have figured out how much um, TNT you would need basically to blow up the entire Earth. It's like if you wanted to... Why would somebody... (laughs) What are people thinking of? So if you wanted to blow up the entire Earth, kind of like, is it the Death Star that blows up planets in Star Wars, right? Where you actually literally watch like a laser go and go... When the entire planet gets obliterated. Well, to do something similar to that, you would actually need 110 quadrillion tons of TNT, which is so basically you would need 110 million of those asteroids all hitting the Earth at the same time mm-hmm. to create enough power that would just completely like <laughs> blow up the blow Earth. Blow up the Earth. So it's not, I mean, it's not even close to enough. But like you said, it's the asteroid impact itself is more of like. I mean, yeah, it's a big area, 600 miles, but like it's like a local event. Yeah, but it started a chain reaction yep. that would then pretty much affect the rest of the planet. Yeah. So the 
that asteroid hitting then creates that fireball that's 20,000 degrees right there in the center. And that's what's the heat of this. It's like, so the sun is 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's like four times hotter than the sun was what, uh, the heat that was caused like right at the epicenter where the asteroid hit. So what that does is that's enough. I mean, obviously, cause it's hotter than the sun, it's enough heat that it just instantly starts to liquefy the rock mm-hmm. that is displacing. And then eventually turns that rock into uh, rock vapor. Mm-hmm. So from a liquid to even a gas. So when that happens now, when you kind of have go back to Newton's law, right? So when you have something, go in, you have an opposite and equal reaction, right? Mm -hmm. So this, the asteroid forcing its way into the earth's surface also kicks in the opposite direction, all that rock vapor. Mm -hmm. So just like, like a jet stream in the other way, in the other direction, like tons and tons of rock vapor just gets shot straight up into the air. So what happens is that rock vapor eventually goes getting shot straight up in the air, goes and gets all the way through the atmosphere and starts now, in space. Yeah. And so once that gets up into space, it starts to disperse, right? And it starts to slow down and lose momentum eventually. And as it does that, it also starts to cool. Mm-hmm. And once it cools, what it cooled into was actually basically little beads of glass. Yeah. So do you remember this part? Mm-hmm. I so, think so. So that cloud not only slows down and condenses into beads of glass, but it's now also spreading all around the earth as it's kind of almost like orbiting the earth and kind of surrounding the entire earth. Right. Yeah. But eventually the earth's gravity now gets re gets a hold of all that glass again, all that matter and starts pulling it back down. So now what you have, and this is the part in the story that I was explaining where like the person was standing there, like looking up and they thought they saw a shooting star and then, two and then three and then hundreds. Right. Yeah. Because basically what's happening is all these trillions and trillions of pieces of glass are now falling back down to earth through the earth's atmosphere. Hmm. So do you want to, do you remember the part of the documentary where they were talking about, um, how they were heating up the earth? Well, yeah, because I mean, essentially, I mean, you have all of this, this hot, melted rock and and stuff it, it gets caught there in the atmosphere and it covers it so this is basically like in the point where in a lot of the other theories it covers the sun so then it it actually cools the earth which i think in the long run it ended up doing a little bit but in that instant it was actually heating the earth so yeah so basically obviously okay when a meteorite hits the earth's atmosphere or, or a rocket, right. Re-enters the atmosphere. What happens to it? Like it burnt, <laughs> like that's why they have the heat shields on the rockets, right? Okay. Is that what you're trying yeah. to get me like to it say? Just burn, like it starts to burn up. <laughs> I am not a rocket scientist. I have no clue what happens to it. It comes in and it crashes. Yeah. But that's cause the friction of the air, right? So that's when like the meteor or the asteroid originally hit the earth's atmosphere. It would have been like a fiery ball, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all these little beads of glass are now re-entering the Earth's atmosphere, and they're burning up. Mm-hmm. And so, when you have like a 
couple of things, it's not going to change the temperature of the earth, right? But when you have trillions of these things raining down on the earth all at once, they create every single one that burns up creates a little bit of heat. Yeah. But then they all create a little bit of heat. So basically what happened is the entire earth turned into a pizza oven. Yeah. Like literally. So the temperature on the surface of the earth within just a few minutes after these glass beads started to rain down went from a hundred degrees to 200 degrees to 300 degrees all the way up to what they estimate is like about 1200 degrees. Crazy. And so that is ultimately cause I cook my pizzas at 450. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I should clarify. I think this is supposed to be like an industrial pizza. Yeah. Like, like, that. like the, like the brick ovens where you, <laughs> yeah. where you throw the pizza in and it's just literally being cooked by a freaking flame. So yeah, so like the pizza, just imagine the entire earth is like one giant pizza oven. So that is actually what they speculate is what killed off the dinosaurs. Because obviously like nothing is going to just be standing there in 1200 degrees Mm -hmm. and living. Yeah. Right? Like they literally just cooked. Yep. And were incinerated. Not only that, at 1200 degrees, all the trees and everything are going to burst into flame. So not, not only do you have heat from above, but now you have heat from below. So like the entire earth basically within two hours was a big, just flaming Mm -hmm. ball because also as you're watching this documentary you know they kind of uh do a a graphic uh overlay and uh, so they're they're out in this desert uh they're in various different places but they're out in a desert they're like i think in that case they were in new mexico i think that's why i said new mexico in the first place but and uh so then they they kind of give you a picture of what new mexico actually looked like or what that desert looked like beforehand when the dinosaurs were there and it was very lush it was very green yeah it was like it a was tropical forest. Tropical, yeah. It was essentially, yeah, just like a um, jungle. Yeah. And, you know, after this happened, I mean, everything was gone. The ecosystem just completely was obliterated. And uh, trees, I mean, that's, that is literally why, I mean, and, and still nothing is really able to continue to grow in those areas because it was just scorched. And nothing could survive in that atmosphere or in, yeah, in that atmosphere. So, and I think, and you're right, I think they used New Mexico because that to them, they were like, this was far enough away that they weren't initially in, like, they weren't one of the things that was just incinerated. You could see it. Like, you you would have been able to see the um, explosion, the explosion of it, but you wouldn't have been impacted. You weren't within the 600 mile radius of being obliterated by, you know, the, um, by the asteroids. So um, these were the the dinosaurs uh, who were there in that area and others um, similar to it that were affected by the this raining glass that was yeah. coming down. So that's what caused the death of the vast majority of the dinosaurs was the pizza oven effect. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that you were talking about um, did also occur. And as far as like you were saying that the whole earth was basically covered with ash and, Mm -hmm. and something that was blocking out the sun. Right. Yeah. So what that happened to be is like in the area of the Yucatan that actually hit is very, very dense with gypsum, um, which is a rock, a type of rock. Mm -hmm. Um, gypsum though has a lot of sulfur in it. And so what happened is like that got shot up into the air as part of that rock vapor. 
And then when that started to settle back in and in the atmosphere, it's super uh, good at reflecting sunlight. So it was just, it was as it sat in the atmosphere and just spread over the entire earth, it was just reflecting all the sunlight back out. And so, yeah, like the earth for, for the period of several months, I believe it was, was darker than like on, it would be on a moonless night. Like the entire earth was just super dark Mm -hmm. that caused obviously temperatures to fall and, um, plants obviously couldn't grow anymore. So that's where you got that effect. So there is some truth, like to the theories that we were taught as kids, I guess that that kind of happened. But, um, instead of, I think it being over hundreds of years, it was like over the course of like several months. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and, and then what also happened because, uh, you know, they, they spent a portion talking about the, uh, the marine life, you know, like mm-hmm. that uh, the, was interesting. Yeah, the the dinosaurs that, like, if you guys remember in Jurassic World, um, the Mesosaur is that what it was? The yeah. Mesosaur, the the what? There was basically like the giant ass crocodile that came up and <laughs> ate the <laughs> the great white shark. You know, that was just dangling there. Um, so, like, those were were actual creatures. And, uh, and they've actually found them. In fact, there's a portion of the documentary where we talk about, like, you know, in New Jersey, behind this mall is where they have, like, this, this archaeological dig. And that's where they found rem- or these bones of, of this mesosaur and, and stuff. But because, like, at one point in time, that whole part of the world or, uh, you know, well, of you know, what is now Jersey. Jersey was underwater. Um, but they said, okay, well, obviously, so these animals are underwater. They're not going to be affected necessarily by the heating portion. Now, I'm sure that, I mean, water heats up, but uh, you know, just swim deeper you yeah. know, where it's cooler and things like that. But so that's the, the, the pizza oven effect did not kill um, those an- or those dinosaurs as much as it was what we've now talked about is is the temperature change um, because of the ash that was just hanging there. No longer can sun get through creating photosynthesis and, and now all the, the marine plant life is dying out and, and therefore all the other animals that feed off of that are dying, which then affects the whole food chain going forward. And uh, so, I mean, it was a, obviously it was a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, from what they said, it sounds like 75% of all species went extinct basically during that time frame, um, which amounted to, because even though 75% of all the species, I believe they said it was like 99% of all the life uh, that was on Earth. And then if that wasn't bad enough to go through all of that, say you were able to kind of like, you were able to survive long enough, you lived in the ocean and you made it through the initial impact, you made it through the pizza oven effect, and you've kind of made it through like the fact that there's no sunlight for a while, you know. Well, eventually the rain started clearing out the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then when you ha- mix rain with sulfur, you get acid, acid rain. rain. And so now your home is just poisoned mm-hmm. with acid rain. So it's just like you could not. It's just catch not a, a very good. <laughs> few months (laughs) but you know what uh as as they talked about in the documentary after all is said and done there were still things creatures um that survived and when you throw in the um you know the evolution and and how 
you know, just things began to change and evolve and, and just, you know, that's an adapt. Obviously you end up with what we have now, which is amazing. I mean, that's, that's millions of years. That's 66 million years of change and adaptation. Yeah. But from that one cataclysmic event, but yeah. Like, like you, I think what you were trying to get at is if it wasn't for that, then maybe mammals wouldn't have been able to become the dominant species on earth. And ultimately they became us. Right. Thank you, asteroid. (laughs) (laughs) And that, and that kind of brings me and Trav and I had this discussion briefly the other, uh, the other night. And, but basically, yeah. So things that were able to survive, were things that were probably deep enough in the ocean um, or bodies of water that they could actually kind of escape most of this and survive down there long enough. Um, But also animals and creatures that could kind of burrow down into the ground um, because the earth is actually a surprisingly good insulator. So if you were able to just burrow a few inches down into the ground, you actually could have survived, which is why... I think they say like a lot of the animals that survived were like these small rodent, like mammals, um, birds that were, had like eggs that were laid in the ground. Um, and that's why they say birds are just direct descendants of dinosaurs or actually are dinosaurs in a way. Um, crocodiles could have buried themselves in the mud and that's why they're still around. So that's, that's how you still have some of these species or animals that were around that have close ties. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then they did find one and this wasn't something else. It wasn't in the documentary, but they found like this creature that they've been able to model back and they're like, okay, we think that this is the animal that's the ancestor to all humans. And it's apparently like this little, yeah, rodent looking animal. It's got, they call it consider it. They say it has fleshy ears. It has like a long, like, beak shaped not nose and then it has like a lighter color underbelly i don't know how they know all this <laughs> <laughs> they just modeled it apparently after <laughs> but yeah so radio lab which is the um for anyone who hasn't listened to that they do a really really good job of telling the story um but they were given the opportunity to name this animal to you know so they decided oh like this is really cool well we want to crowdsource it because we want like the public to basically have a say on what we call this ancient animal that was apparently our great ancestor to all of us you know Mm -hmm. and so they went through they had all these voting they it sounded to me like it was almost like a nca bracket type voting system (laughs) (laughs) march madness (laughs) but the just take a guess. What do you think the winner I have, was? I have no clue. I, know. I don't think you're going to get it. I'm just saying, just what would you name an animal like that? It looked like a mouse. So that's the only thing that I can come up with. <laughs> they called it a shrewdinger. A shrewdinger. Yeah. Okay. That was the name of it. So kudos to people and yeah. their ability to name things. Uh, I think we also have to kind of mention that, you know, this is just one idea of we're definitely not going to get into the whole thing of do we actually believe that we come from this rodent or not uh, what what are our thoughts on evolution and and the existence of man yeah. and things like that i mean that would be a whole nother that episode. is i think that's a whole other like 
series? I mean, that's a huge question. You get into a lot of things, but just based off of this story of and uh, and theory of how the the dinosaurs became extinct and and how life continued on after that. That is that is one theory, but. You know, none of us were back there. <laughs> none of us were there in, you know, 66 million years ago. So nobody can say for sure, but uh, yeah. all they can do is just look at look at the rock, look at nature and, and the evidence that they can see. And, and that's what, you know, their conclusion is. But And that is, uh, yeah, because if you remember, again, Trav and I talked about this earlier, but the way that I thought, was a way to explain it was, yeah. Cause I don't know how much of it is just like a straight line, right? Like, yeah, we have this Schrodinger rodent and it just becomes us. Right. Like that just seems like, yes, I get like, there's like evolution to a certain degree that ultimately ended up as humans. Right. But I picture it more as like a tree branch, or something like that, where you have this one thing, but then maybe this Schrodinger rodent evolved into like these five different types of animals, like in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And those all evolved into these five different types of animals. And eventually over time, it just got to be the part where we got lucky that we ended up being humans. If that makes sense. Like it's just like trial and error, I guess through nature yeah but all right well is there anything left that you have before we close this up um so yeah so i just wanted to give the update of what's happened since that um documentary came out so the documentary i believe came out in 2017 um and that's been kind of the predominant theory for the last few years but there is one one issue and so there's something they actually talked about in the documentary called the KT line. I don't know if you remember. It was like this thin, mm-hmm. like strip of. Yep. And they they find they only find dinosaurs under the KT line. Yeah. So the KT line is basically is about an inch uh, thick strip of. It's not. I mean, rock. I guess. Yeah. You could say um, that they figure was deposited there on the day that the asteroid hit. So that was like the fallout. Mm-hmm. Um, from the asteroid and they i mean there's some compelling evidence to why because one if you look under under a microscope you can actually see like the small glass beads Mm -hmm. um, remnants of them left that would have fallen back the ones that actually made it back onto the surface of the earth another is um it's chock full of iridium Mm -hmm. and iridium is something that you won't find on the surface of the earth hardly anywhere else but it's actually something that's super highly concentrated in asteroids um, so the level of iridium in the KT line is like a hundred times more than you would expect to find. So like, that's pretty compelling evidence, evidence that like, yeah, this KT line was legit. Like the line that's telling you where the asteroid hit and like when it happened. Right. Yeah. And then like you said, they have not been able to find any dinosaurs above the KT line. All of the fossils they find are below the KT line, which is why they say, yeah. So like uh, dinosaurs were wiped out before like at this point right yeah because there's no more that we could find above it well there's one other like little issue with that and that is they've never found a dinosaur within three meters under the kt line so there's like this nine to ten foot space where they've never found any dinosaurs yet 
Hmm. And so because of that, you have a subsect of scientists that say, well, then if you can't find any like right underneath it, like literally right underneath it, then we're going to assume the dinosaurs were going extinct or did go extinct even before, before that. Yeah. The asteroid hit. So the asteroid didn't actually kill them. They were already dead or dying, dying off as a species. So, well, screw this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then that brings it to the final thing. So this is what this guy, uh, found in North Dakota. There's a site there called Tannis, um, is what he named it, but it was on private land. This guy found it. He's like, yeah, you know what? Like you can come up here and excavate if you want, because honestly, like all I found is like these fossils of fish, but they're brittle and they just fall apart and stuff. So whatever. So this guy, um, by the name of Robert De Palma, um, who actually has never graduated. So he's not actually a doctor, <laughs> Hmm. but he's been a student for a really long time. He's 37 years old. Kind of reminds me of myself because uh, it <laughs> took me freaking forever to finish school too. <laughs> but <laughs> he uh, he's the one that kind of was invited up to go up there. He went up there and started looking around. And long story short, the basic findings that he's found, and now he's published a paper on it, and all kinds of articles have come out earlier this year uh, on it, but he found what basically looks like a massive grave site um, where they can tell that there's a whole bunch of sediment, um, several feet worth of sediment laid down in one day. Mm-hmm. And that's because they figure that when the asteroid hit, it created uh, shock waves, right? Yeah. The shock waves then, like, so for example, there's a giant earthquake in Japan. Uh, a couple years ago and that caused these five foot waves to just appear out of nowhere in like Denmark or something like that. So the same kind of idea they thought here is like, Oh, the shock wave happens. It travels through the earth and then actually cause these huge, because it's so much bigger, these like 30, 35 foot waves just to crash through this entire like river basin area. And so not only the reason they can tell this is because this mass grave has freshwater fish in it, has saltwater um, animals in it. It has dinosaurs in it. It has like trees in it. It has like all these different, like has birds in it, mammals in it, like all these different animals all mushed together Hmm. in this one area, the fish they can find. So usually when they find a fish fossil, it's laying flat. Yeah. Um, these ones, they're actually finding them vertically with their mouths open. And so they're figuring like the mud came in and just like, they were just trapped and they were trying to breathe Mm -hmm. and they were, but they were like forced in like these vertical stacks. And so it's just like, for this reason, basically they're thinking that this could be the thing that proves that actually dinosaurs did become extinct from the asteroid. Okay, well, we had a bit of a scare there. We thought that it wasn't the asteroid, but it is the asteroid now. So <laughs> this this episode is relevant again. So <laughs> but so in the matter of like 5 minutes, you guys went from like, "Oh, it's like no." to oh, Yay. <laughs> So all right. Well, um 
that's what happened to the dinosaurs. So thank you everybody for tuning in and listening to this. Hope you were educated. Um, and then go and check out that, that documentary, the day the dinosaurs died on Netflix. It's definitely interesting. And, and also and, check uh, out the radio lab, um, episode podcast. as well. Podcast. It's, I believe it's called like dino redux, dino redux. How do you say that? Like, cause it's redo redo, but it's like the French version version of like number two. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I can't speak French, <laughs> but, uh, you can find us on any social media platform. Pretty much just search for QCO podcast. We also have a website at QCOPodcast.com. Um, you can check us out on YouTube. Now, uh, we just are basically just posting the, these audio episodes there. But, uh, if that's a platform you wish to look, uh, listen to, you can subscribe to our channel and, uh, hit the bell there. So, you know, when we post a new one and, uh, yeah, make sure to comment, leave us a review and, That should be it. So we thank you again, guys, for listening, and we'll catch you next week.